0: Welcome to the Redeemer Church Podcast. Thank you for joining our sermon series in the book of Psalms. Psalms contains incredible truths about God and wisdom for life. Psalms helps us learn how to pray. It teaches us to worship through all the different seasons and emotions of life and how to walk with God daily. We hope these teachings help orient your life to love and worship Christ. Thanks for listening. Good morning Redeemer Midland. Uh, I want to apologize up front for my voice. Uh, I normally don't sound this gross. Uh, I'm going to sound a little bit gross this morning. So if you'll just bear with me. I don't know what happened to me. Um, Maybe it's something in the West Texas air. Maybe I screamed too much at my kid's eight-year-old baseball game yesterday. Uh, Probably both. But I apologize for my voice. I'm thankful for uh, tea and for microphone, and we'll get through this together today. But it's a joy, it's a privilege to get to be with you, to get to uh, preach this morning while Jason's out on sabbatical. Like James said, pastor of church in the Austin area. I get the privilege of overseeing and um, training church planters. And I just want to tell you something that was really cool for me yesterday. I brought Joe Gunther with me. Joe's doing what James is doing uh, at, at my church. He's a church planting resident. He's serving on our staff. He's preparing to plant Redeemer Hutto. And Joe and, us, Joe and I were driving in last night, and it was really exciting. We drove through Brady where we have a Redeemer church plant, uh, Redeemer Brady. I think you got to hear from Peyton Barron's a few weeks ago. We stopped for gas in St. Angelo, where we've been able to plant two churches, Redeemer St. Angelo and the Vessel Church. Um, And then we made our way here to Redeemer Midland. It's just such a cool thing to think what God has done in about a 10, 12-year window, all the church planting that God has done through the Redeemer Network. Our vision is that we want to continue to multiply churches. Right now we're saying we want to see 50 healthy churches established by the year twenty. Uh, 30 through uh, church planting and replanting across the state of Texas. So I don't know if you know this or not, but the statistics for the church in North America don't look good. So what a gift, what a cool thing it is, the work that God's doing through us is we're continuing to reach people and plant churches and multiply churches. And so it's an honor and a privilege to get to be with you. And I want to say to you, thank you. Thank you for what you've done, how you as a church have contributed to church multiplication. Redeemer Irving, one of your church plants, Israel Martinez, today they're celebrating their one-year anniversary as a church. So they planted a church during a pandemic. Um, there was not a module in our training for church planting in a pandemic, so I had to call Israel and apologize to him for that. Uh, we'll get that in for the next group. But you guys have contributed to church planting in significant ways, so I want to say thank you. Um, we are in Psalm 124, so if you will, open your Bible to Psalm 124, if you on your phone, power on to Psalm 124, just get it in front of you, I want the text to be in front of you. Psalm 124 is in this unique collection of psalms that are called the Psalms of a sense. Psalm 120 through Psalm 134, they make up the Psalms of a sense, and they're a unique collection of psalms. Uh, historically, what we're told about the Psalms of Ascent is that they were used as kind of like a playlist. You could think of it this way. Maybe you have a workout playlist. Maybe you have a, a playlist that you turn on before you come to church on Sunday morning. They were kind of a playlist for the ancient Israelites, that they would uh, sing these songs three times a year as they journeyed, as the Israelites were scattered, as they journeyed to Jerusalem, those three times a year to worship in the temple, they would sing the psalms of ascent. They're psalms that are meant to kind of reset or reorient our hearts uh, around God, who He is and what He's done and what He's like. They're psalms that are supposed to stir us up to true faithful worship of a holy God. And we certainly see this in Psalm 124. Psalm 124 is a psalm that reminds us that our help comes from God. It also reminds us why we need help. You need help from God, whether you realize it or not. It tells us that we need God's help because we live in a hazardous world. We live in a world that is broken, a world that is not as it should be. We live in a world where even as God's people, we suffer and we struggle and we doubt and we have days where we don't want to get out of bed. And Psalm 124 reminds us that because of who God is, because of his past faithfulness in our lives, because of his grace in the past, we can trust that God will help us in the present. That the same God who saved us in the past is the same God who will sustain us Every day, amen? It's the same God who will help us when we are in trouble. And so I want to look at Psalm 124 this morning. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Psalm 124 is the confident mantra of the Christian who has tasted grace. It's the confident mantra of the Christian who has tasted grace. Let's look at verse 1 and 2. Psalm 124. Verse 1 and 2. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when people rose up against us. Let's stop for a moment. It feels a little bit like a pep rally at the beginning of this psalm, doesn't it? Which is fitting. I mean, we are in a gym, right? So we can embrace that a little bit. It feels a little bit like a pep rally. Um, In fact, Eugene Peterson translates verse 1 and 2 this way. He says that, uh, according to their Hebrew, it could be translated this way. If God hadn't been for us, all together now, Israel, sing out. If God hadn't been for us, there's a little bit of a, we've got spirit. Yes, we do. We've got spirit. How about you feel? And you can imagine the ancient Israelites making the hard, arduous journey up the mountain to get to Jerusalem to worship God, and they're needing their attention and their mind stirred up. They're needing to get pumped up a bit. It's got this pep rally feel. This psalm by nature is meant to build up courage. And confidence in God's people. It's meant to motivate and pump up the people of God. You know, I want to take a moment and just do a little bit of an aside here. This is a psalm that's supposed to build courage in us. Um, A little bit of a TED talk for a moment. How about that? I think that we as God's people right now, we need courage maybe more than anything else. In fact, I think if God could just, if God would would just graciously, miraculously pour something out upon His church in this day, in this current moment, I think courage is what we need more than anything else. Why? Why courage? Well, I'm going to give you a few reasons why we need the courage that Psalm 124 is calling us to. Um, We need courage, first of all, right now, to live for the real Jesus in this cultural moment. The real Jesus. I'm going to give you a bad illustration, okay? Um, the church in America right now feels to me a lot like Torchy's Tacos. I told you this was a bad illustration. Bear with me. I'm going to make you hungry. I love tacos. I love tacos. You could ask my staff every Tuesday after staff meeting, I want to go to lunch. At, I want tacos. Let's go to tacos. Taco Tuesday. Uh, there, is, there is a bit of a, uh, of a revolt on our staff right now. Um, you can pray for me. I'm considering church discipline. They're wanting to turn Taco Tuesday into Thai Tuesday, but I'm holding the line. Um, I love tacos. Um, Torchy's tacos is interesting for me because I love tacos and everything on the menu is delicious, but there's so many things on that menu and I'm like, this is not a real taco. Like you could give me the beef fajita, that's a taco. Chicken fajita, that's a taco. Even the Baja shrimp, um, I'll take that, that's a taco. But chicken and waffles in a tortilla Like, that's not a taco. Fried avocado, chicken strip with queso, that is not a taco. I think you maybe can see where this bad illustration is going. There are a lot of things happening in the church in North America right now where you're saying, that's not Christianity. It might look like Christianity or have some language and some flavor of Christianity. By the way, there are powers both on the right and on the left of the the political spectrum that are trying to hijack Jesus and hijack Christianity for their agendas and for their narratives. And if we're not careful, we can get sucked into this. And more than anything, the church right now, I believe, needs the courage to stand for and live for and speak about the real Jesus, the real Jesus of the Bible. In fact, I was on an airplane a few months ago and I was sitting next to a guy and he started small talk with me, which is not what you want to do because you might be sitting next to a pastor. And so he started small talk with me and he said, What do you do? And I said, I'm a pastor. And once you tell someone you're a pastor, you pretty much kind of have to have the spiritual conversation or you just look like a complete hypocrite, you know, and a coward. So, yeah, I'm a pastor. So, you know, what what about you, man? What do you believe? And here's what he asked me the question He said, What kind of Christian are you? Do you see what I'm saying? And and so I went and said, well, I hope that I'm a Christian that's faithful to the Jesus of the New Testament. And we started having this conversation about all the reasons why he rejects Christianity and none of it had to do with the real Jesus of the Bible. It all had to do with the Jesus of this current cultural moment that's being hijacked by different powers that be. We need courage, courage to live for and speak about the real Jesus. There are others of you who are here this morning that need courage on a more personal level. You need courage on, a, on, a more, on more personal, interpersonal things in your life. Maybe you need courage to have the hard conversations with your spouse or with a friend that you know the Spirit of God has convicted you to have that you don't want to have. You need courage to walk every day and and parent your children. You need courage to acknowledge your interior life that you know is stirred up and is going sideways, but you don't want to pay attention to the things that are going on in your soul. Instead, you want to continue to escape to your phone or to Netflix and ignore the stuff swirling inside of your heart and inside of your mind. We need courage based upon who God is and what God's done and what God's promised to enter into the hard things in our everyday personal lives, trusting That our help comes from God. There's a there's another element in which we need courage right now. TED Talk is almost over. I promise. There's there's another area. There's a whole generation that's coming of age that needs courage, maybe more than ever. And it's Generation Z. I'm a millennial, and people have picked on millennials for way too long. And so I'm going to pick on Generation Z if they can take it. You see, that's the thing about Generation Z. It's a generation that's primarily marked by weakness. Right? If the millennial mantra was, you can be strong, you can be a world changer, Right. everybody gets a trophy, everybody gets a participation ribbon, everybody's a winner, no child left behind, that's the mantra of, the millenn- of millennials. Gen Z is that everybody's weak, everybody has an ailment, everybody has an issue. It's a generation that's marked by anxiety and fragility, and I'm not picking on you. It's a reality of this digital Babylon that we live in. There's this digital nervous system that all of us who are addicted to our phones and to Instagram and to media, it's producing all this anxiety. We think that we can be everywhere. We think that we can be all-knowing, but we can't, and it's killing us and it's crushing us, and we're actually, it's actually revealing to us how small and fragile and finite we really are. In fact, I want you to listen to what Chris Colquitt, he's a... A missionary to college students, I want you to listen to what he says about this current generation that's becoming a leading generation in the world and in the church. He says this. He says, today's students are still concerned with big societal issues. He's talking about in contrast to millennials. So they're still concerned with big issues, but their attitude is decidedly less optimistic with respect to themselves in the world. So they don't think that they can be world changers. Instead, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an attitude that's marked of uh, that there's really no hope, and kind of a, a victim mentality. Among the most common observations about Gen Z is an alleged fragility. They are said to lack grit and resilience, to be weak in the face of trial and unprepared for adulthood. Though a caricatured version of this critique can go too far, my own experience affirms that there is something here. The dominant chorus of you are strong, which was the millennial chorus, has been replaced with you are weak. You are weak. That's the the primary narrative of the culture, of the generation coming of age. Church, we need courage. Grace-driven gospel courage. To be the people of God where we live and where we work and where we learn and where we play. If we're going to live faithfully as God's people in our day, we need courage. And so here's the question. Here's the question the rest of the psalm is going to call us to ask. Where does courage come from? Where does real courage, transformative courage, powerful courage, where does it come from? Well, we're told that it comes from the confidence of God and what he's done in the past. Psalm 124 calls us to live a life of courage, even in the face of hardship, even in the face of pain, even in the face of brokenness, because of the saving power of God that we have experienced and tasted. See, this is where courage comes from, real courage in our lives. It comes from the real Jesus, real courage to press into the hard things in our lives, the hard work of discipleship, courage to stand on God's faithfulness in the midst of uncertainty, courage to take that next step of obedience, courage to stand out in this present generation, we rally it in our lives by remembering God's rescuing and redeeming grace. Grace that we didn't deserve, grace that we didn't earn, grace that's been given to us time and time again by a holy God, grace that shows up right when we need it when we call out to God. You see, this is what Psalm 124 is all about. In fact, in verses two through seven, the psalmist calls us to look backwards so that we can find courage as we move forward. Let's look back at the text. Let's start in verse one again. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when people rose up against us, They would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Look at verse 4. Then the floodwaters would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. And then over us would have gone the raging waters. David in this psalm really calls us to consider two questions. He calls us to consider God's work in our life in two ways. First of all, in verse 3 verse 2 and 3, he wants us to consider if God had not been there, if God had not shown up in your life, think about this, if God had not shown up in your life, whose would you be? It's a question of identity. What would have become of you? What forces or powers would have overtaken you? You see, it's likely that David is referencing here the many times that other nations and tribes threatened the Israelites, threatened to overtake them. And yet, they were always saved in miraculous fashion by God who was faithful to his covenant promises. In fact, you can go read 2 Samuel and you can see how God saves the Israelites during David's uh, kingship over and over again in miraculous fashion. I mean, just stupid grace, like a slingshot against a giant. God is faithful. God shows up. God saves. God redeems. I want to ask you, Redeemer Midland, hear me. What has God saved you from? Who has He saved you from becoming? His grace has been present in your life if you are in Christ Jesus. Verse four and five, He introduces another question here. He talks about the floodwaters that would have swept them away, how they would have been displaced and destroyed, we're asked to consider if God had not shown up in your life. If you're a Christian, if God hadn't been there showing up with his undeserved grace in your life, where would you be? What dangers or evils would have threatened your life, would have overtaken you, would have crushed you? You see, there's a word picture he's giving here. Life in the Middle East during David's days meant that every, at every rainy season you were at risk of disaster of displacement, of devastation. Those who lived in the desert areas knew that at any moment that the rains would come, that, that floodwaters would overtake them, that they could be, uh, the waters could rise up and their lives could be overtaken and destroyed by the rains. But God had been there and, and provided for them and saved them time and time again. And so the question this morning is what has the grace of God protected you from? Consider it in your life. What has the grace of God sustained you through? What sufferings, what trials has God helped you time and time again when you didn't think you could stand? God has been there, the maker of heaven and earth. You see, with Israel, as you read Israel's story in the Old Testament, it's always clear that the saving, rescuing grace had nothing to do with their own ability and strength. Because if you read the Old Testament, you also see that Israel was incredibly wayward. They filled God's land with all kinds of idols. They, they worshiped God with half-hearted worship all the time, and he detested it. He detested it. They were often cold toward him. They often ignored his prophets, but yet God was faithful to them time and time again. It had nothing to do with them. And you know what? The same is true with the church today. The same is true for you and I. The saving grace of God in our life has been despite us. God's grace in your life has been despite you. That's good news, by the way. That's not a condemnation. That's really good news that God would be so gracious. The New Testament tells us that we are saved by grace through faith, that it's of no work of our own, that we don't earn or accrue God's blessing in our life through our superior morals or through our buttoned up good works. This is what makes Christianity so beautiful, so unique from all other religions, that Jesus has done the work for us. And here's what we contribute to God's faithfulness in our life. Here's what we contribute. We are helped. (laughs) That's it. That's what we contribute. The joy and the humble receiving of the help of God. You see, if you're a Christian this morning, I want you to understand that you have been chosen and rescued from a real enemy. You've been chosen and rescued from a real enemy. You have been set free from powers that otherwise would have overtaken you. You have been located, not displaced. You are being redeemed, not destroyed. And it's all by a free grace of Jesus. You know, when we look at Psalm 124 as New Testament Christians, we actually sing this song through the person and work of Jesus. We sing it back to God through the person and work of Jesus, and it goes something like this. If it had not been for Jesus by our side... If it had not been for Jesus, the one who was swallowed up alive for us, the one, Jesus, who endured the anger of enemies, the one who experienced the full kindling of God's wrath that rose up against sinners, where would we be if it had not been for Jesus by our side? We sing it this way. If it had not been for Jesus by our side, the one who was the very nature God who took on flesh and who was displaced from his heavenly home, only to be destroyed by the raging waters of evil on the cross. If it had not been for Jesus by our side, church, who would we be? What sins, what idols would have overtaken us? Where would we be? What suffering or evil in this world would have overcome us? You see, this is the confident song of the Christian who's tasted grace. What joy it should give us, what confidence and courage it should fill us with. And if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, maybe you're new to Christianity, if you're here this morning and you're a new Christian, maybe if you're here this morning for the first time and you're just kind of considering church again, you maybe kind of, hey, let me, let me check that out. I, I want to let you in on a little bit of a secret. In fact, if you just look around this room, I'm going to let you in on a secret. You might be tempted to think as you look around this room that, hey, look at all these other people that have their stuff together. Look at all these good people. Look at all these people whose lives are buttoned up, who don't struggle, who don't doubt, who don't sin, who don't suffer. You might be tempted to think that that's what's happening in this room. But let me tell you the truth. When you look around this room this morning, you see a bunch of people that have been set free from addictions. You see a bunch of people that have been set free by the grace of God from idolatry. You see a bunch of people that by the grace of God have been sustained through suffering and through trial, you see a bunch of people who say, if it not been the Lord by our side, where would we be? Praise be to God, amen? That's what we're doing this morning. We're celebrating the free grace of a holy God who has loved us and who helps us and who every day will sustain us when we turn to him. What a savior in Jesus. What a savior. And look at what our response should be to the grace of God in our lives. Look at verse 6 through 8 what should our response be? Blessed be the Lord. Blessed be the Lord. Joyful praise. Not half-hearted praise. Not half-hearted obedience. Praise God for what he's done in our life. Sing to him. Live for him. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowler's The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. What is our response to the help of God, to the grace of God? Praise and courage. Praise and courage. Do you see the joy that we should live with? He's basically saying here, it's a miracle that we aren't like one of those gazelles. A a Christian that knows the real Jesus, they're like, you know, if you watch the Discovery Channel or the Planet Earth thing, you know the little gazelle that's kind of prancing around in the plane, and then all of a sudden the camera cuts back and it's hanging out of the mouth of a lion. You know what I'm talking about? You're like, oh, here it comes. It's like, kids, watch this. 20 seconds later, dead. Dinner. Doubt should have been us. That's what he's saying praise God that that wasn't me. I've been saved. He goes on and he uses a little bird analogy for you West Texas bird hunters. He's saying, praise God, like we were like the little dove flying over the field, you know, and then the tough guys with the camo with shotguns hiding in the bushes and we're flying over and they're like, pow, 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 pow and all the other dove fly down and I'm the one little dove, I'm still flying. Like this is a miracle. How am I not, how how did I get taken down? Praise be to God. That's what God's grace is like in your life. You have been incredibly helped. Now, I want to ask you this morning, are you aware of God's grace to that degree? Or has the grace of God in your life become dull to you? Has the grace of God in your life become dull to you? If it has, ask the Spirit to stir your heart. Ask the Spirit to remind you and show you who you are, who you would have been apart from Christ. Rejoice and take courage. You see, the grace of God in our life ought to produce not only joyful praise, but faithful courage, because we serve a risen Messiah, King Jesus, who went into the lion's mouth for us. He was crucified, who broke the snare in resurrection. He's alive, and because he's alive, you are alive. His grace is with you. The Bible tells us that if you are in Christ Jesus, Christ is in you, Anyone who is in Christ, Christ is in you. He's put his spirit within you. He will sustain you every day. He will lead you and guide you. He will not abandon you. He is working all things for your good. I could go on and on with the promises of the gospel because of what Jesus has done for you. Take courage. Grace means courage. When we consider the grace of God in our past, it should produce courage in the present. Courage to stay faithful to Jesus when we want to throw in the towel. Courage to enter into the hard conversations because we know that the Spirit of God is with us. Courage to trust Him in the midst of our real sufferings, knowing that He's working all things for the good of His people. That He's a God of crucifixion and resurrection. That He will produce good things through our sufferings, that we will stand, we will believe in him as he gives grace upon grace. Psalm 124, what is it? It's the confident mantra of the Christian who has tasted grace. What a gift that we have this psalm. I want to encourage you to read it this week. I want to encourage you to pray it. I want to encourage you to sing it this week. As we close, I've got a couple of simple questions for you. And here's the first one. What area of your life Do you need help? There's some of you this morning that you're in a bind. There's some of you this morning that your heart and mind is tied in knots. There's some of you this morning that barely made it here. What area of your life do you need help? And will you believe that this same God cares for you? In fact, think about the risen Jesus. He is risen now, seated at the right hand of God, and he lives to plead for you. He lives to intercede for you. He loves you. He cares deeply for you. The things in your life are not too small for him. What area of your life do you need his help? I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit is here with us this morning and that he's bringing things to your mind. Will you just turn those things over to the risen Jesus who loves you and pleads for you? There's some of you this morning that need courage. You lack courage. You've been cowards in some ways in your life and I don't mean that as an insult, just as a reality and you needed to be reminded of grace and what God has done in your past and that help, the help of God and the power of God is available to you in your life. What area of your life do you need courage? Will you take courage? What area of your life is God asking you to surrender to him? Asking you to take a next step of obedience and confidence not in yourself, but in confidence in God and who he is and what he's promised to you. You see, hear me, last thing, hear me. The lie of the culture that we live in. The lie of the culture is that we can make ourselves. We can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We can create ourselves. We can define ourselves. The lie of the culture is that we can fix ourselves if we just have more resources. The lie of the culture is that we can redeem ourselves. And that lie is killing us. We are a a culture that is riddled with anxiety because we've been trying to be God. And yet the all-knowing, all-powerful God says, I will help you. Our help, church, comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Let's pray. Holy God, almighty God, we make space for you now. We've heard your word. We thank you for your word. We thank you for how your word speaks to us, how it's living and active how it challenges us, how it convicts us. God, conviction of your spirit is a gift of grace. Romans tells us that it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Lord, as we hear your word this morning, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move amongst us, each, of, each one of us, show us areas of our lives that we need to turn over to you. We need to truly surrender to you. We need to seek help from you, not from others. We don't need to try and do it on our own but we need to turn to the maker of heaven and earth, to Yahweh Elohim, to the creator and redeemer of our lives. I pray for this church, that it would be a church that is filled with grace-driven courage to love you and to live for you and to proclaim the real Jesus, the true gospel in this city. Would you draw people to yourself through this church, that you would fill this church with joyful praise And grace-driven courage because of what you've done for us and what you've promised to us through your son Jesus. God, we love you, we honor you, and we enter into a time now to praise you, to respond to your grace. In Jesus name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Church. If you want to connect with us at Redeemer, we would love for you to visit us at a service in person or visit us online at RedeemerMidland.org.